time for re-engineering your finances with the founder of CP Weldy Group, Charles Weldy. It's time for another edition of the Reengineering Your Finances podcast. Walter Storholt here alongside Charles Weldy, founder of CP Weldy Group, serving you throughout the Delaware and Chester County areas with an office in Chad's Fort PA. Find us online at cpweldygroup.com. That's cpweldygroup.com. And we've got another great show for you today. We're talking about emotions and financial planning and some great takeaways for you on today's show. But before we dive into all of that, Charles, I hope you're well. I'm doing extremely well, Walter. How are you doing? I like to hear that. Extremely well. That's what we want. That is very good news. <laughs> uh, well, we've got a fun show today, so let's dive in here, Charles. You know, I think most people like to think that they always make decisions based on logic and facts. None of us let our emotions rule our decision-making. Uh, but the truth is that, yeah, emotions usually play a role for all of us in the decision-making process. I mean, just personal story here, Charles. I feel like I make pretty level-headed decisions most of the time, especially financial ones. I feel like I just, you know, I'm always doing a good job of trying to keep those things in front of me and, you know, making good choices about, you know, different big life events and those kinds of things. Well, when we bought our house a little over a year ago and I went through the, the home buying process, it was amazing how many times the emotions of the situation started, you know, making me want to make bad decisions, you know, and you have to like keep those things in check, but it was really hard and it was nice to have a real estate agent, you know, help kind of keep you in check and push you back in the right decisions. So it's just interesting when you kind of self-evaluate at some point, um, you know, how big those emotions start wrapping into you, you know, if, oh, we're going to lose the house. Let, let's go in with a higher bid or, you know, oh, it's, <laughs> you know, you just start getting, uh, you know, oh, it's got this problem with it. Well, we need to ask for a bunch of money on the, on the paperwork and on the uh, repairs part of the process and that kind of thing. I don't know. Have you ever had a financial decision or something in life where you let your emotions kind of not get the best of you, but where you realize and picked up on it that they were leading you down a bad path? Yeah, I would say, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like most people. I mean, we all have uh, two really like big emotions. One is fear and one is greed. I mean, we're all wired the same way. And uh, I guess personally, um, you know, fear with me is I know I'm on a podcast, but I have a fear of like, uh, you know, not being in good health. And, you know, the reality of it is, is um, I take vitamins every day. You know, I exercise more than I did in the past as I get older and I eat the right thing. So I'm just fearful that uh, things are too good to be true. And, you know, at some point in time, if I don't take care of myself, uh, things are going to, you know, go to hell in a handbasket. Hmm. So that's, uh, you know, a fear story that I have. Greed, I have to admit, like, I come from a big family, uh, family of 13. There's not a lot of greed. There's just a lot of love. But, um, you know, in the investment arena, uh, I find that fear and greed are really the opposite sides of the same coin. Uh, and that's really where a good advisor, he or she will protect their client from those emotions, which really could stand in the way of uh, good investment decisions. Interesting. So it's not even like the the good and the evil angel on each shoulder, both fear and greed, I would imagine can lead you down some bad paths when it comes to making decisions. Not Neither of those is a super positive uh, trait or quality <laughs> or emotion, right? Uh, not, not at all. I mean, fear makes you... Uh, sell low, you know, and uh, I guess greed makes you buy high. And uh, again, you uh, know, if people could 
have a um, a way to keep their emotions in check. And you know, my belief is that a good advisor, that's really their primary role, is to uh, create a plan for people and make sure they follow the plan, regardless of like what's on TV or who the president is or you know uh, what the tax rates are, that type thing. I think it's very important to uh, keep your emotions in check, and that's really one of the great values that a good advisor will provide. Yeah, that's a fantastic point. So, and I guess, you know, there is a, a time where some healthy fear can keep you from making a bad choice, perhaps. And even greed, I think, in in very small doses can be a good thing. It keeps you from, I mean, they, they kind of definitely play with e- each other there. But, you know, it can maybe make you be a little bit more aggressive when you should. You know, a little greed can it helps drive the world forward a little bit in some ways. We could probably make an argument for that. Yeah, well, without greed, we probably wouldn't have capitalism. Right, right, exactly. And, you know, capitalism uh, has, has been a, a very good thing for the United States so for many, many years at this point. So a li- small doses of each are good, but I think the problem is it's it's flipped around and people let way too much fear, way too much greed drive those decision-making uh, processes. So what are some of the common mistakes that you see people make when they are making those emotional decisions, like with fear or greed or, or other emotions that come into the equation? Well, I think, uh, you know, the news, uh, you know, like uh, we were always trained that uh, short term is unknowable, but long term is inevitable. So uh, with uh, everybody having cell phones and, you know, the news being what it is today and the papers coming out every day and most of the news not being positive. And even though we've had 11 years of, you know, stock market growth, I mean, it's almost like, hey, the recession's right around the corner this impeachment uh, thing that's going on in Congress today is kind of like, uh, you know, getting some people upset. So there's a lot of like uncertainty, but the bottom line is that uh, if we have a date specific dollar specific plan that we believe in, regardless of outside conditions, and we have a long-term focus, the short-term unknowable is not really going to affect our decision-making. That's a great point. What about when people have, um, you know, like experienced a loss in life. I mean, that's a to get away from the fear and the greed elements for a minute. You know, you've got this emotion of sadness or, you know, be, being downtrodden or just kind of, you know, all the emotions that would come along with a loss. I imagine that would lead people to make bad decisions if they're not careful. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we've had, you know, three or four clients have passed away in the last half year. And, um, you know, we always say, look, you know, for the next year, don't make any major decisions because obviously we all grieve differently. Stay in your house. Don't make any major decisions about moving. Keep the investments in check, you know, that type of thing. So uh, you have to respect the fact that, again, long-term, inevitable, short-term, unknowable, let's not let short things like, you know, detour major decisions that we have to make. So, yeah, you know, a, a loss of a family member, a spouse, what have you, um, you know, not time to make any major decisions. So that'd be a case where you would recommend people actually delay making a financial choice until the emotions settle down a little bit? Absolutely. Okay. Are there times when it's appropriate, Charles? I mean, we, we're not robots, right? We're, we're human. So we have emotions. Are there times when it's appropriate to, to factor in emotions into our financial decisions? Or do we have to make everything, you know, the mathematically correct choice? No, you know, you got to take the analytical out of the equation, especially when it comes to family. I mean, you know, I've got uh, two grandkids they are going to be two years old in the next week. And, uh, you know, as soon as they were born, I opened up 529 plans for each of them. They're identical twin girls. So uh, I was driven by love. I, you know, uh, I had to thumb my way to Villanova 
in the late 70s to attend college. And uh, hopefully these kids will be, you know, maybe not driving a car to college, but, you know, they'll have maybe a couple of years you know, of tuition you know, from grandpa. So you know, love drives the fact that I'm going to allocate a certain amount of dollars every month to my grandkids' education. That's one example. I have insurance for my kids. I got three daughters. So no matter what happens upon my demise, assuming that, you know, um, my spouse predeceases me, uh, the kids are the beneficiaries. So they're going to get, you know, X amount of dollars tax free. That's a decision that I made, you know, purely based on love. All right. Maybe taxes, too, but, you know, on love. And then um, lastly, like there's people that have a parent that may have given them a stock. They passed away and uh, they may choose like, hey, it's not a great stock, but guess what? This reminds me of mom or dad. So they keep that. So my point is that, you know, even though I said earlier in the conversation that fear and greed were the two biggest motivators, love is, a, is definitely a motivator and that can actually enhance some of your financial decisions. Mm, fantastic example. Yeah. What about some other examples, Charles? Maybe, uh, maybe a time when you help somebody construct a solid plan that worked for them mathematically, but also met the emotional needs. Well, Walter, this is kind of like, you know, this is what I love. I mean, I love doing bucket plans for clients. And the beauty of a bucket plan is you take your money and you segregate it into three piles. You have a now pile, you have a soon pile, and you have a later pile. And just to kind of summarize it, the now pile is money that, hey, it's safe, it's liquid, it's probably at the bank. It's not making much in terms of interest because interest rates are low today. But guess what? There's an emergency fund there if need be. There's planned expenses if you have a car that you're going to buy or a wedding that's coming up or gifting that you're going to make. And that's money that's kind of off the table. So if somebody came to me, and I'll just give an example. Say they had a million dollars and we did a plan for them and we found out that, you know what? Based upon their need, we get to segregate $50,000 and keep it at the bank. You know, yeah, we're not going to make a lot of money, but that money's going to be necessary for the next year. We put it in the now bucket. And the now bucket, again, won't make a lot of money, but again, it's there for emergency purposes, for planned expenses, and maybe for cash flow needs for the next year. Do you follow that concept? Yeah, sure do. All right. So, you know, so then we get to the second bucket. And the second bucket's called the soon bucket. And this is where I think most people that walk into my office where there's really a gap in their planning. They have one portfolio, they don't have two. And the soon bucket is a more of a conservative portfolio where we're gonna put a certain amount of money in that bucket that will last, depending on their age, and most people that I meet, it's a 10 year bucket, all right? We're gonna put 10 years worth of cash flow in that bucket. And just to give you an example, let's just say somebody needed $6,000 a month. And let's just say they were a married couple and basically they got $4,000 a month in Social Security. So they have an income gap of $2,000 a month. But we'll put $2,000 a month times 12 months, which is $24,000. We'll multiply it by 10 years, which is $240,000. And then we might build an inflation factor in there. Let's just call it $60,000. So we might put $300,000 of their money in that soon bucket, again, not going to make a lot, probably somewhere around 3% because it's a conservative account, but they're going to need to pull that money out each and every month for the next 10 to 12 years. Do you follow that concept? Yep. All right. The, the, now, the bucket if strategy. they have 50000 in the now bucket and 300000 in the soon bucket, that's three fifty, and they had a million dollars when they walked in our office, 
Now we have $650,000 to allocate to the later bucket. And the later bucket is money that they most likely will not need for 10 years plus. So by putting that money in the later bucket, maybe we can take a little bit more risk with our investments because we just bought a 10 year time horizon. And for the most part, you know, when, not if markets go down, assuming some of that money's in the stock market, they're not going to have to panic because now, you know, they've got that soon bucket that's given them the income they need for the next 10 to 12 years. So the reality of it is by introducing the bucket plan to clients, what we do is we strategically put their assets in different buckets and we actually take their emotions out of their investing because when, not if, the market goes down, they're really not worrying about that later bucket. And with someone like myself, who is really strategically into Roth conversion planning, if that money's in the IRA and the market goes down, we're gonna quickly you know, move some of that to a tax-free Roth. So that's the beauty of planning with uh, buckets. You know, It's like a baseball uh, team. You can't have everybody pitching. You need nine players in different positions doing different things. And if we can integrate the timing of that money now, sooner and later, with the location of that money, pre-tax account, post-tax account, tax-free account, I think we're going to hit a couple home runs. Well, one of those emotions, you know, has to be the, the uncertainty of the entire planning process. But by separating things out into those different buckets, it helps resolve a lot of that uncertainty and unease that results from that. So just the buckets themselves, uh, by separating things out, maybe making things easier to understand and digest, help solve some of the emotional troubles that come along with the planning process. Then within the buckets, it sounds like you're solving for things like, you know, greed and, and fear. And, you know, by separating things out into long term and short term, ultimately very, very helpful to take all these different emotions that are kind of bouncing around and solving for them or putting them in their appropriate places by having a, a properly structured plan. So that seems to make a lot of sense to me. Exactly. And that's what we do. And that's why we're passionate about what we do. Everybody that we meet has investments, but very few people have a date dollar specific plan. And that's what we do. We actually like give them a plan so that they can look at their investments from uh, an unemotional point of view. All right. Last question, Charles. After people come in to meet with you, they come in with all of these different emotions that you've got to figure out with their financial plan, get all these questions addressed. What's the emotion of somebody after they've met with you a couple of times and they get that plan in place and as they're walking out the door? I think they, they feel happy and smart because I gave them permission to spend their money. And I love that. Yeah, that's fantastic. Great to hear that. Those are the emotions that we want to, uh, you know, hear more about. Not so much the fear and the greed ones. We want to hear about the uh, levels of happiness and uh, and feeling smart and uh, is fulfilled and a lot of those kinds of things. So those are the direction uh, that we want to head in. So very cool. Now, if you want to get help with Charles Weldy with your own financial plan, some of the things that you might be considering, if you need a checkup on where you currently stand or some new direction, maybe you haven't met with a financial advisor before and you need to get a written plan in place, Charles will certainly help you do that. You can get in touch online at cpweldygroup.com. That's cpweldygroup.com. Or you can call or text Charles at 610-388-7705. That's 610-388-7705. Easy way to get in touch and make sure that you are in good shape financially, that you've got a great plan in place for your financial and retirement future. We'll put the phone number and 
and the link to Charles's website in the description of today's show. So whatever app you're using to listen to the show, or if you're on the website, just check the description or the show notes section, and you'll see those appropriate links for you there. Charles, we really appreciate the help on this week's show, and we'll look forward to doing another fun one with you next time. Thank you, Walter. All right, there you go. That's Charles Weldy and all that you need to know about accounting for your emotions in your financial plan. Thanks for being with us. Let us know if you ever have any questions by reaching out to Charles, or if you have any topic suggestions or questions on your mind, we'd be happy to cover them here on the show. Just reach out in the ways we mentioned moments ago. For Charles, I'm Walter. We'll talk to you soon back here on the Reengineering Your Finances podcast. Financial planning and advisory services are offered through Prosperity Capital Advisors, PCA, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Registration as an investment advisor does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The CP Weldy Group and PCA are separate, non-affiliated entities. PCA does not provide tax or legal advice.